Hi, and welcome to the Yak Fantasy Football Podcast. Yak is in yakking, like talking too much, and also like yards after catch. It's a double entendre, guys. I'm Ted, and today I'm going to get into the huge Aaron Rodgers trade that finally was announced today. And I'm recording Monday night, so you're going to hear this Tuesday. And a couple other moves that happened this past week. And after that, I'm going to give you my pre-2023 draft rookie running back rankings. This is a deep class with a ton of talent, and the top end is chef's kiss. So, without further ado, let's get into it. I'm going to start off with a small move here. Uh, Alameda Zacchaeus, wide receiver, who previously played for Atlanta, is signing a one-year deal with Philly. He's a smaller receiver with speed. Don't know a ton about him, but he had decent, modest production this past year, and he's been a decent wide receiver three for them, and I expect him to challenge Quez Watkins there for the number three role with Philly. I know they've been trying to trade Quez Watkins, and I know they weren't satisfied with him after a lot of the drops in the Super Bowl. Uh, After that, Allen Robinson, wide receiver previously with the Rams, uh, known for his time in Jacksonville and Chicago. He was traded to Pittsburgh in a swap of seventh-round picks. So, Allen Robinson plus the Rams' seventh-round pick goes to Pittsburgh for their seventh-round pick, and that seventh-round pick is a little bit higher in the draft. So, Really not gaining too much for the Rams, but this is mostly uh, a salary dump here. They're in rough shape cap-wise. They're in rough shape in general as far as their team is structured. They had the F-them picks mentality over the last couple years. It got them a Super Bowl, so good on them for that. But now they're kind of feeling the repercussions of that, and uh, the signing of Allen Robinson turned out to be a big flop last year. So with this, the Rams are going to pay $10 million of the salary for this year, and Pittsburgh pays the remaining $5 million. So really good deal for Pittsburgh here. They basically give up nothing to get Allen Robinson for $5 million. He projects to be the wide receiver three there, maybe wide receiver two if he can regain his form, but they've got Deontay Johnson, they've got George Pickens. So this gives Kenny Pickett another decent weapon if Allen Robinson doesn't want to sloppily and lazily run his routes uh, like he did in Chicago. And also, in 2024, there's an out for only $1.9 million in dead cap. So if this doesn't even work out, it's a total no-risk move for Pittsburgh because they basically gave up nothing. Again, a seventh-round pick swap, and they're only paying $5 million for the guy. And they can cut him for basically nothing next year if it doesn't work out. Or if it did work out and they just don't want to pay the guy. And the last little move here is Wayne Gabbard is signing with Kansas City on a one-year deal to be the backup to Patrick Mahomes. Uh, Chad Henney retired in the offseason here, and uh, they just signed another guy who was, you know, decent draft pedigree, kind of like what Chad Henney was, but never really worked out. So Kansas City gets a decent veteran quarterback. He never really panned out, like I said, but he doesn't really need to be more than a good backup, and that's mostly what he's been uh, throughout the remainder of his career. So Kansas City kind of maintains where they were, and uh, I think Gabbert's way more athletic than Henny ever was, so uh, there's that component too. So decent move by Kansas City. All right, let's get into this Aaron Rodgers trade. So... This has been talked about all offseason. Aaron Rodgers went into the darkness retreat. He emerged and basically made it known that he wanted to go to the Jets. Well, nothing happened forever. And part of the reason nothing happened, it was reported a couple weeks ago that uh, Woody Johnson, the owner of the Jets, got cold feet because Aaron Rodgers in his appearance on the Pat McAfee show essentially said he was 90% retired before he went into the darkness And when he emerged, he decided he wanted to play for the Jets. So that scared Woody Johnson and made him want to only give a conditional first-round pick in 2024 to the Packers, basically saying if this guy retires next year and he's only playing for us for this one year, then we don't want to give you all these assets. So that halted things for a while. But they got it done. Uh, I don't like how this looks for the Jets, but let's get into it. So the Jets are going to get Aaron Rodgers, and they're going to swap the number 13 pick for the number 15 pick with the Packers. So they do a two 
spot swap in the first round. Not too bad there. Uh, and they also get a fifth round pick this year. So the Packers, along with getting pick number 13 in that swap of the first round picks, also get another uh, second round pick, and it's a high one, it's number 42, a sixth round pick this year, and then they also get a conditional 2024 second round pick that will become a first round pick if Rodgers plays 65% of the plays this year, which is pretty likely, right? Like, unless he gets hurt. So in that scenario, things are already a disaster anyway. Let's go through that again really quick. The Jets get Aaron Rodgers, pick 15, and a 2023 fifth-round pick. The Packers get pick 13, a 2023 second-rounder number 42, a sixth-round pick this year, and a conditional second that turns into a first if Rodgers plays 65% of the snaps this year. I don't like this deal for the Jets. The Packers, in my mind, absolutely fleece them. And here's why I think they fleece them. So, first of all, you're swapping the first-round picks. Not a huge deal, but there is value lost in moving down two spots here. Uh, so the Packers move up a couple spots, and they actually move ahead of uh, the New England Patriots, which maybe the Jets are okay with because the Packers have similar needs on the offensive line and at wide receiver. So maybe they're thinking they can kill two birds with one stone here, swap the picks, and let them screw over the Patriots. So maybe that's not too bad there. But then they're giving up a high second this year. The sixth round pick I won't even touch. That's whatever. Uh, but the second round pick next year that is more than likely going to turn into a first round pick. So you're essentially trading a first round pick next year and a second round pick this year. And a high second round pick at that. I don't like this because there's a quarterback who is also a former MVP like Aaron Rodgers. Who is much younger than Aaron Rodgers. Who probably isn't going to retire after one year, there's pretty much no chance of that happening. And Lamar Jackson, who's on the exclusive rights franchise tag. And basically, if a team wants Lamar Jackson, they can sign him to an offer sheet and give up two first-round picks to get Lamar Jackson. Obviously, there's going to be the caveat that they're going to pay Lamar Jackson the contract that he wants. He's still probably not going to get the fully guaranteed money but he could get something very similar to what Jalen Hurts got. In fact, like I talked about in the last episode, he was offered basically that deal. So let's just assume that he gets a similar deal to Jalen Hurts. You gave up two first-round picks for that for a guy that you're going to assign to a five-, six-year deal and have be your starter for several years here. He's only, I think, 25 years old right now. He's a former MVP Great player. I know he's got some health issues, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers has missed his fair share of time, too. So, juxtapose that against paying a second this year and a first next year. It's almost guaranteed to be a first. And even if it's not a first and it's a second next year, the whole thing was a disaster and a flop because that means Aaron Rodgers got hurt. And that means you're starting Zach Wilson. And that's good for nobody on the Jets, as everybody knows. So it, this is a disaster regardless for the Jets here. I mean, it could still culminate in them making the playoffs, which is their ultimate goal. I think Robert Sala and Joe Douglas want to save their jobs here with Woody Johnson, and I think he gave them an ultimatum of sorts. You go get the quarterback, make the playoffs this year. That extends your run here. But it's just such a short-term answer here. I feel like you could accomplish the same goal, but also get a franchise quarterback under contract for multiple years for a first-round pick instead of that second-round pick this year. So I don't like it for the Jets. Um, and, you know, obviously Baltimore has the chance to counter any offers that are made to Lamar Jackson, blah, 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 whatever. But if the Jets wanted to price him out of that by offering him, offering him a contract that Baltimore couldn't match, Baltimore gets those two first-round picks, they get Lamar Jackson, and it's basically very close to what they're going to pay for what could be one year of Aaron Rodgers. So I don't like it from that perspective. And now that I've just broken that part down, let's get into Aaron Rodgers' contract as it stands right now. So he's under contract through 2026 technically, but again, he could retire at any time. He contemplated it this offseason. He was 90% there, according to him. Uh, and there's a potential out next year in 2024 for $24.5 in dead cap. 
and the Jets have incurred the rest of this contract. So it's essentially on them whether they want to cut him next year, whether they want to extend him, or he might retire. And in that case, they have to eat some of the dead cap. I don't know exactly how that works out. Retirement kind of uh, throws me off a bit when it comes to looking at the contracts. But either way, I just don't like it from that perspective. This is with all due respect to Aaron Rodgers. He will, I'll be honest here, he is probably the best quarterback as far as what he could do on the field, talent-wise, that I've ever seen live in my life. Um, if I wasn't really old enough to really appreciate and watch thoroughly Dan Marino when he was playing when I was a young boy, uh, and, you know, Brady's obviously the GOAT, Peyton Manning, awesome, but, like, as far as talent, what he could do, the scrambling ability, the precision, the arm strength, the touch, the accuracy, all of it, Aaron Rodgers is probably the best quarterback that I've ever witnessed with my own eyes and understood how good he was. That being said, he just came off the worst year of his career by far, and he did not look good, definitely, and... I know there were factors that went into that. He had young wide receivers. The offensive line wasn't great around him. The offense in general was just a mess as far as what they were trying to do. They should have leaned into the running game more, having these two great backs in Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, but they didn't. It was an absolute disaster, but the guy didn't look good last year either. He had his moments where he looked like vintage Aaron Rodgers, but I just don't think he's that guy anymore. He's definitely an upgrade over Zach Wilson. I definitely think the Jets are a threat in the AFC East now. But they're also going to a division with Josh Allen as the top guy for Buffalo there. And Miami's not too far behind them with Tua and the weapons that he has. So you're going to a crowded division as far as the competition to even win the division. Then you're going to the AFC, a conference that is loaded with quarterback talent and just talent in general. I just don't see how this works out for the Jets. Lamar Jackson was the better option. I don't understand this move from their perspective, especially with what they gave up. All right, rant over. Uh, I'm just going to quickly touch on the fantasy implications of this. Obviously, this is great for Garrett Wilson, who was Offensive Rookie of the Year last year and an absolute stud despite the fact that he had Joe Flacco, Zach Wilson, and Mike White throwing to him last year. So he's getting Aaron Rodgers. That's fantastic for him. Uh, Corey Davis is still there, surprisingly. I can't believe he's the one who survived between him and Elijah Moore, but uh, the Jets traded Elijah Moore to the Browns uh, in part to acquire the pick that they traded to uh, Green Bay to get Aaron Rodgers, the second-round pick. So uh, his value goes up here. As long as he can stay healthy, he seems to slot in as the number two wide receiver. That being said, though, Alan Lazard is there as the number three Maybe he gets more looks because of the familiarity with Aaron Rodgers. I've already said on this podcast that I'm not a huge fan of Alan Lazard from a fantasy perspective. He's a fine, real-life wide receiver three, but beyond that, he really doesn't offer you much value in fantasy. But these guys all get added value because of this. So does Brees Hall when he comes back. So this offense, you can do a lot worse than getting players from the Jets offense for fantasy this year. So whether you have these guys in Dynasty, uh, you know, obviously Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson are huge Dynasty pieces right now. I had Garrett Wilson in one of my leagues for a short amount of time before I traded him uh, in a deal to get Christian McCaffrey so I could uh, go on a championship run, and it worked out for me. But now I'm regretting it a little bit, you know, a little bit of buyer's remorse there. Having Christian McCaffrey, great, but obviously you want to have that nice young dynasty piece there. But regardless, uh, I think this is good for the Jets on the whole from a fantasy and dynasty perspective to add value to all those young weapons that they have. All right, so now that that's out of the way, that's the big news for today. But regardless, I was planning on going through my running back rankings for the 2023 running back class going into the draft here. This is the last week before the draft. We've only got a couple days here. It starts this Thursday and goes through Saturday. So you're going to hear a lot of these guys' names. You probably already know a bunch of them. You probably know the top guys, but I'm going to go through the whole list of guys that I could find scouting reports on 
and reasonably get an idea of what they can offer in the NFL next year and in fantasy. Now, a lot of this obviously depends on situation and opportunity, but some of these guys, that's not going to really matter because immediately some of these guys are going to slot in as the number one running back, regardless of who else is on the team. So, before I get into this, just a reminder, the way I do my rankings is I look at scouting reports from the Draft Network. They do a compilation of grades amongst all of their scouts. They cross-check each other and make sure that everybody is pretty much in consensus as far as where they value these guys. Not everybody agrees 100%, but they get a general consensus value on these guys and they rank them on their big board that way. So, it's a pretty unbiased approach and that's why I like them. Uh, but anyway, I look for certain skills and traits in every player, and for each position it's different. So for the running backs, I'm starting with the most important things for running backs that I think are the most important are vision and contact balance. So vision is the ability to see what's happening with the offensive line in front of you, what's, seeing, what's happening with the defense that's coming at you, being able to find the holes within the offensive line and defensive line to get to the second level. Contact balance is the ability to take on contact and still stay upright and get extra yards. You don't have to break off a home run touchdown by bouncing off a tackle, but you have to be able to get a couple more yards by staying upright. A guy who goes down on first contact, not what you want. Next, I look at how elusive the guy is and how much speed they have. So elusiveness is short area quickness, whether it's uh, in front of a tackler who's about to get them, can they shake them a little bit? Can they be elusive in the open field once they get to the second level and make moves on guys? That's what I mean by elusiveness. In speed, that's pretty obvious. We're talking about top speed, home run ability. Can they break off the big one? Uh, now, with this one, keep in mind, for me, it's not... One of the most important things, I know speed is fun and it's cool to look at, but as I've said before on this podcast, I focus on not majoring in something minor. The fastest running back isn't always the best running back. It's just plain and simple. And when it comes down to it, how often are running backs hitting home runs compared to gaining five yards and taking on contact and dragging a guy with them. That's a more common thing. So that's why I like to look at vision and contact balance first is the most important things. Then everything else is a cherry on top. After that, I've got power and that kind of goes along with contact balance, but you don't necessarily have to have a ton of power to have contact balance. Some guys are more slippery. Some guys are smaller so they can kind of go under guys. So it doesn't necessarily have to be with power, which is why I put this a little lower and then I've got receiving ability, very important in fantasy and dynasty when it comes to PPR and half PPR leagues, but it's not a make or break thing. It's a nice bonus. As I've said before, I like to focus on players, especially at the running back position, who can get it done on the ground, but also can get it done receiving because it gives you a nice fallback. If the running game's not working that game, you at least know that a guy like Christian McCaffrey is going to catch the ball a bunch of times out of the backfield and give you that consistent production in a fantasy standpoint. And then lastly, I look at pass blocking, and that doesn't show up on the stat sheet for fantasy or really in general when it comes to football. But if they're a good pass blocker, it means they're in on third downs. So if you're looking at a guy who's a good first and second down back and you're wondering if they're going to stay out there on third down, pass blocking is the thing to look at. And they don't have to be the best at it. They just have to be adequate at it. So I'm looking at that from the perspective of can they do it? They don't have to be an offensive lineman level blocker. They just need to be able to chip a guy, be able to stop a free rusher from getting to the quarterback so they can get the throw off, something like that. But that, again, like the tight ends, like I mentioned with them, when it came to run blocking and pass blocking for tight ends, that means your player is going to be on the field more for more snaps, more opportunity for them. And then obviously I look at whether or not the guy has an injury history and I mark an elite trait with a plus and I mark a negative trait with a negative, with a minus sign. All right, without further ado, 
Let's get into this class, and I'm going to start with my number one and probably everybody's number one. This is pretty much consensus across the board for everybody that talks fantasy in any way, shape, or form. That's Bijan Robinson. So Bijan Robinson, he has plus vision. He's got good contact balance. He's got plus elusivity. He's got good speed. He has good receiving ability, and he's a good pass blocker. And I didn't mention power there. He's got good power. It's just not his best trait, and it doesn't stand out as much as these ones do. So it's not like he's bad. It's there, but he he's such a well-rounded back. He checks every single box pretty much. So Bijan Robinson, just to touch on him quickly, he's extremely athletic. He's a prototypical build for a running back. He does most everything well, like I just said. He can run with power more effectively, and that's really like the only thing that you can say about him that's a con. He could just be a little more effective with running with power, and that's really just kind of lowering his shoulder and delivering more of a blow, and that can be taught to him. He can get that through reps and practice. So Bijan Robinson, my number one. There's really not much else to say. He's the top back in this class, bar none. After him... This might be a shocker to some people. I've got Zach Charbonnet as my number two running back. So Zach Charbonnet, he's got the vision. He's got the contact balance. He's pretty elusive for a big guy. And he's got plus power and he's got decent receiving ability. So Zach Charbonnet, big strong back. He lacks the breakaway speed and he can get... A little bit of happy feet at the line of scrimmage but really those are the only things that you can knock him on the guy is huge and he's very nimble for his size I like him because of that because I think he checks a few more boxes than another guy as far as the things that I think are the most important I think he's very well-rounded that's why I like him as my number two back my number three back is the guy who a lot of people probably have as their number two Jameer Gibbs so Jameer Gibbs has good vision Good contact balance, he's elusive, he's got plus speed, and he's got plus receiving ability. He's an explosive back, size is a little bit of a concern to be an every down back, and he needs some work in pass protection, but he's not bad at it. So I ding him a little bit because the pass protection piece isn't there yet. Not saying he's terrible at it, but he needs to show a little bit more there. And He's got that receiving ability that's going to be super valuable in fantasy. So I don't want to knock him just because he's a little bit smaller because I think he has value as an every down back in some way, shape, or form. So even if he's not in the backfield every down, he might be split out wider in the slot on third down. So I think he's got a chance to be an every down back in some way, shape, or form, but he might need to split carries with a bigger guy here and there. But I love Jameer Gibbs. I think he's a great talent. And I think he projects as a guy that might be somewhere along the lines of Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler with the receiving ability and receiving volume. After Jameer Gibbs, I have Tank Bigsby. So Tank Bigsby has good vision, good contact balance, plus power, and good pass blocking ability. So for Tank Bigsby, I think he's a versatile, prototypical build back. He's got limited experience as a receiver there, and that's not to say that he can't do it, but it's just limited experience, so he, it's going to be something he has to pick up as he goes in the NFL. And he's really not a home run threat, but like I've said before, don't major in something minor. I think Tank Bigsby can be a reliable, solid back. He might not break off the fun, exciting runs, but he's a guy who's probably going to get you good touchdown production. He's probably going to get you the, the yards that you need. He's a guy who grinds out the tough yards, and again, Vision and contact balance, number one for me. After Bigsby, I've got Tajay Spears. Tajay Spears has vision, contact balance, elusiveness, and speed. So Tajay Spears, he's a competitive runner with good instincts. He's got good ball security. He's a bit of a leaner build, so he doesn't have as much power as maybe you'd like, but he does have nice contact balance. He's a little slippery. Kind of like uh, I've mentioned James Cook, when I watched him with the Bills this past year, I wouldn't expect it from him, but he had this slippery elusiveness to him, this contact balance that he just kind of slid off of people. That's kind of what I see in a guy like Tajay Spears. 
and he needs a little bit more experience as a receiver. But again, like I said with Tank Bigsby, it's not like it can't happen. He's shown a baseline ability to do it. It's just he doesn't have the experience in college. After Spears, I have Izzy Abanacanda. So Abanacanda has good vision, good contact balance. He gets a negative here in the elusiveness, but he does have good straight line speed. And he's got pretty good power as well. So he's young. He's only 20 years old. He's got good vision, but he struggles a little bit when it gets congested. So, you know, as long as it's not crazy busy in front of him, he's got enough vision to get through. Uh, He's a willing receiver and blocker, but has occasional drops and needs to anchor better as a blocker. So he has the ability to do those things. And like these other guys that I mentioned before, the skill set is almost complete, kind of like we're getting in uh, B. John Robinson and Zach Charbonnet, but there are a few things missing, but there are things that can be corrected and worked on at the next level. It's not like there are things that can't be learned, like speed. He does, again, lack a little bit of that elusiveness, but he's got the good contact balance, so if he's got one and not the other, I don't worry too much because both are going to get you the ability to break tackles and slip by guys at the linebacker level. After Abanacanda, I have Roshan Johnson. So Roshan Johnson has good vision. He has plus contact balance. He, like Abanacanda, is not very elusive. He has good power. He's got good receiving ability, and he is a plus blocker. So Johnson is a patient runner. He runs with high pad level, lacks lateral agility to make guys miss in tight spaces, but he's a good receiver and He needs a little bit of work on route running, but he's got the good hands. He's shown a baseline level to at least leak out of the backfield and take dump off, stuff like that. So if he can learn a little bit on the route running side of things, I think he can be a good dual threat back uh, out of the backfield. So I like Roshan Johnson quite a bit. After him, I've got Zach Evans. Good vision, plus elusiveness, good speed, and good power. So he's a good accelerator in the open field, a physical runner, and zone is his best fit. He lacks the type of receiving production and pass pro reps that you'd be looking for. And I didn't mention anything about him when it comes to contact balance. I don't think it's fantastic contact balance, but I don't think it's bad. And he's got enough power to stay upright and continue to push through guys. So I just think he lacks it a little more than some of the other guys I listed before. So... After Zach Evans, and I already mentioned Jameer Gibbs, but he's in a special tier of his own as far as a receiving back is concerned. I'm kind of leaking into now some of the guys who might profile more as a third down flex type of guy that goes into your lineup in fantasy. So they have a ton of value in fantasy, but they might not be an every down back. They might be getting somewhere between 40 and 50% of the snap share, but... They get that receiving ability, they get that PPR, so it's valuable. It's stuff that can still win you games and help you on your way to a championship. So my first guy here in that type of category is Devin A-Chain. So Devin A-Chain has good vision plus elusiveness. He also has plus speed. He's lacking in the power department. Very lacking there because he's a smaller back. But he has good receiving ability, and he really needs a lot of work in pass pro. And that's partially because he doesn't have the power to go along with it. So he's a big play back with a home run speed. He's got good short area quickness. He lacks the power to run through contact and hasn't shown to be a willing or effective blocker. So, you know, the first step is to show he's willing. So teams are going to have to work on that with him just being willing to be a blocker. Uh, before he can even be effective as one. And he profiles as a third down receiving back, like I said before. But he has value in fantasy, so don't knock him just because he's not going to be an every down back. I do rank him a little bit lower than some of those guys who profile as that, but I think his value as a receiver really can help you in fantasy. After Devin A. Chain, I have Sean Tucker. Sean Tucker has good Contact balance, he has plus speed, he's got good power, but he's got a negative in the pass pro department. So he's an explosive and tough back who caught the ball more last year than he did in previous years, 
but he has inconsistent hands. He struggles with drops, and he really struggles with processing in pass pro. So he's willing to do it, but he doesn't really do well with figuring out where guys are coming from and who to block. And he's inconsistent in navigating congestion. So he showed better vision in his earlier years in college at Syracuse, but this past year he really kind of took a step back from the vision department and you would have expected him to take a step forward there. So it was really disappointing to see that. I know a lot of people love his physical profile, and I like it too. But if he can't do the prerequisites of having good vision and contact balance, and he does have the contact balance, but I think contact balance comes after vision because the first thing you need to do as a running back is be able to see the hole before you can even think about contacting anybody. After Sean Tucker, I have Lou Nichols. So Lou Nichols has good vision plus contact balance. He's not very elusive at all, but he does have good straight line speed and he's got good power. So he's a consistent contact balance kind of back. He lacks the ability to make defenders miss and relies on his power. He has that straight line speed, like I said. And he can take dump offs out of the backfield, but lacks route running. And he does have some upsides as a blocker, though. So if he can learn the technique as a blocker, he can be an every down back in the NFL. And if he can learn how to run some routes out of the backfield, that can help him as well. After Nichols, I have Jordan Mims. So Jordan Mims has good vision. He has plus elusiveness. He's got good speed. He really lacks in the power department. But he's got good receiving ability. He's a guy similar to Devin A. Chain who's probably going to profile as a third down receiving back. He's got good short area quickness. He needs to be more patient though and he bounces things to the outside too often. But he's a solid receiver who can run routes. And he lacks the power to pass block due to his size. Like I said, likely a third down receiving back. And he's got some things he can learn. But if he can work on some of those areas that he's deficient in when it comes to the pass blocking, just being able to maybe get in a guy's way and also being more patient when it comes to running the ball. He can be a valuable running back in the NFL as a third down receiving back, a guy who comes in to change the pace. After Mims, I've got Mo Ibrahim. Ibrahim has plus vision, plus contact balance, but he lacks the speed and he's got good power. So Mo Ibrahim, I actually like him quite a bit. He's great at yards after contact and short yardage situations. He's able to adjust his running style, especially after he had an Achilles injury. So he wasn't a great athlete before that Achilles injury that he suffered. And it definitely sat some athleticism from him. But he was able to be super productive last year. And he was able to adjust his rushing ability to fit that. Uh, he is 25 years old, but he has ability as a receiver and blocker, just lack the opportunity. So, doesn't have that home run speed that you're looking for, but I think he checks the boxes, especially from a contact balance and vision perspective. I think he can be at least a two-down back. Maybe he's not going to be a starter. I might be wrong here about this, but I, I just think he's going to be a valuable running back. It really depends on the situation for Ibrahim. I think... If a guy goes down or if there's really just no one in front of him of note on a team, I think he can be a lead back for a couple years. After Ibrahim, I have Chase Brown. So Chase Brown has good vision. He's got good elusiveness. He's got plus speed. He's lacking in the power department, but he does have good receiving ability. So Brown has top end speed and home run ability, like I said. He shows the willingness as a pass blocker, but really doesn't have the power, but willingness is half the battle at least. So as long as he's willing to get in there and get dirty, that's a good thing too. But he doesn't move the pile and not ideal for short yardage situations. So he's going to have to have another back with him to kind of compliment him from the power perspective. And sometimes he's a little bit quick to bounce things to the outside. It's not a terrible flaw of his, but that's why, you know, he doesn't have the plus vision after him, I have Evan Hall. Evan Hall has good vision, good contact balance, and he's a plus receiver out of the backfield. He has natural feet as a pass catcher. He's a tough runner against defenders, and he doesn't have the breakaway speed, 
but he has a frame for pass pro, and if he gets the experience, he can be a good pass protector. So he's a guy who really has the skill set to be an every down back. He doesn't have any of those wow athleticism traits, but the vision and contact balance is there, and the receiving ability is a plus. So I like Evan Hall as he projects to possibly be a starter in the NFL. After Hull, I've got Kenny McIntosh. Kenny McIntosh has plus, plus contact balance, good power, good receiving ability. He's a guy who kind of plays tall, and we hear this about running backs a lot. If you're playing tall, low man wins. Not the greatest situation, but some guys have been successful at it. These are outliers, but Derrick Henry and Adrian Peterson are tall, upright runners. I'm not saying that Kenny McIntosh is anywhere close there. Uh, but anyway, he should lower his pad level a bit, like I mentioned. Uh, his pass pro needs work, but he's willing to do it. And he's still working on processing and vision, so that's why I've dinged him and marked him a little bit lower here. But he does have some prerequisite ability that might allow him to be a two, maybe three down back in the NFL. After McIntosh, I have Kendry Miller. Miller has good vision he has plus contact balance, but he has really no speed to speak of. So he's got good instincts. He's a good between-the-tackles runner. He lacks the explosiveness, though, like I said, and the ability to win to the edge and doesn't have much receiving experience. So not having that receiving experience and not being notable as a pass blocker has me ding him and put him lower here, but maybe he can be a two-down back or maybe a backup running back in a 1A, 1B kind of situation. Next, I have Chris Rodriguez. Chris Rodriguez has good vision, good contact balance, but he lacks elusiveness. He does have decent power, though. So he's a tough-to-bring-down runner, and he has end zone production, but he's not a great athlete and hasn't shown a receiving skill set. Probably an early down back for me. Next, and I'm probably going to butcher this name, but uh, bear with me here, Sir Roderick Thompson. Thompson has good vision, good contact balance, but he lacks elusiveness and he lacks speed. He's got good power, though, and he's shown receiving and pass blocking ability in college. So, like I said, he's got good size and he uses it well. He's a running back who runs with power and good instincts. He lacks that change of direction ability, though, and fluidity to make guys miss in the backfield. So, if the blocking isn't good for him, He's not going to be able to make guys miss if free runners come at him. He does have good hands, though, and good ball tracking ability, and he anchors while in pass pro. So, I like Thompson. He's not an athlete, but he might be a two-down back, and that's valuable in the NFL. So, keep your eyes on him in the right situation. He's got the vision and contact balance and power. He's also got a receiving and third-down skill set. So, Maybe I'm wrong in saying that he can only be a two-down back when I look at that receiving and pass pro skill set, but maybe he leaves something to be desired on second and long, something like that, when it comes to maybe needing a receiving type of back on the field. Next, I have Travis Dye. Travis Dye has good vision, good contact balance, but he has a minus... He has a negative here in the power department, but he makes up for that with some good receiving ability. So he's an instinctual runner with good pass catching ability. He's light on his feet with high step frequency, which helps his elusiveness. Really, that high step frequency has defenders kind of looking at where he's going to go. It's that kind of jittery kind of motion that gets guys going one way when you just make a little juke one way or the other. Uh, and he did have a season-ending injury in 2022, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, and speaking of injuries, I do have to go back and just mention that Mo Ibrahim, he has an injury history as well. I did mention it a little bit, but he had the Achilles injury, which sapped some of his athleticism, so I just wanted to mention that here. I noticed that I didn't really touch upon that too much. After Travis die, I have Eric Gray. So Eric Gray... He's got good vision, but he really lacks in the contact balance department. He's got plus elusiveness, 
but because he doesn't have the good contact balance, of course, power is going to be sapped with that. Um, he's got good receiving ability, though, but he really hasn't shown an ability to be a pass blocker, and that's because he lacks that power, lacks that strength. So he's great in space. He's good at creating yak, but he lacks the power and contact balance to really drag defenders when things get tough in the middle. He struggles with anchor and processing in pass pro, and he projects more as a third down receiving back. So even though he'll be on the field in, on third down situations probably, shouldn't expect him to be in there blocking for the quarterback. Next I have a guy that I think is a bit of a sleeper, and maybe I have him ranked too high because of what I focus on in the vision and contact balance, but I think in the right situation, in the right offense, I think he can be a decent back. So I have Kalen Laybourne, and Kalen Laybourne has good vision, good contact balance, he's an elusive runner, and he's got good speed. Where he lacks, though, is pass pro. So he's able to run to the corner and outrun pursuit angles. He's a an okay receiver, not terrible, but not great, but he at least shows the ability to do it. He does need to work on his hands and his route tree. Uh, he's more of a guy in pass pro who's going to cut, but at least he's got the willingness. So he's not great at it. He needs to work on the fundamentals and the foundation doing that, but he at least shows the willingness to try to cut a guy when they're running as a free rusher to the quarterback. And then he's not a real home run threat, but he's got good straight line speed and, again, the ability to beat pursuit angles. I would just say he doesn't have the ability to sustain that speed. But I like him quite a bit, especially this low here. I think he can be a steal for the right team. Next, I have Deuce Vaughn. So Deuce Vaughn has plus elusiveness. He's got good speed, but he severely lacks power and pass pro ability, but he's a good receiver. So you're going to see that a lot with these receiving backs. They're not going to be good pass protectors for the most part. They're not going to have a ton of power, but that's very common for this type of guy. So he's a versatile player out of the backfield and can run a few routes out of it. Uh, he's a mismatch against linebackers. Do have some concerns about size, though. And although he does use his size to, to his advantage sometimes, uh, being a smaller back, he can kind of slip behind and under guys. So that helps him a little bit, but it won't help him all the time. Uh, and his size leads to the inability to effectively pass protect, but I think he can be a decent receiver out of the backfield at the next level. So keep an eye on him as a guy who goes to the right situation where maybe they've got a guy who's a two-down back, but he can be that third-down back receiver out of the backfield. Next I have Titus Swen. Titus Swen has good vision, good contact balance. He lacks elusiveness. He does have good power. He lacks the receiving ability, though, but he's a good pass protector. So he's got the good power and contact balance, which lead to yards after contact, obviously. He's got good ball security. He's a very limited pass catcher who dropped a ton of his opportunities, and they were very few and far between. So he's not a guy you're going to rely on out of the backfield as a receiver. But he does have that pass blocking ability, so he could be valuable on third down in a known passing situation when you want to have an extra blocker in there. Uh, but he's not overly athletic, so I don't know. I, I would profile him as more of a running back two, a guy who's a complement more so than anything and can pass protect as a pass protecting specialist. Next I have Tavian Thomas. Tavian Thomas has plus vision He's got good contact balance. He's an elusive guy, but he lacks the home run speed. He's got decent power, but not a good receiver out of the backfield. So he's powerful, an instinctive runner. He's elusive for his size, but he really lacks that top end speed. He's never really been used as a pass catcher or as a pass protector, so it's really hard to know how he profiles at the next level as that. So I like a lot of his skill set when it comes to the vision, contact balance, and elusiveness, and even the power, but so many unknowns. Again, it's going to have to be the right situation, and maybe he can learn that stuff, but because he wasn't used in that, it leads you to believe that if a team didn't even try to use him in that way, 
maybe they saw in practice that this guy really doesn't have the ability for either. Next, I have Calvin Tyler. Good vision, good elusiveness, but basically no pass-protecting ability. He's a short and squatty running back. He's likely a third-down receiving back in the NFL, and he's beat, he's low to the ground, and that helps him sneak behind the O-line, but he lacks technique as a pass blocker, and he's an older prospect at 25 years old, so he's not a good athlete to begin with, and he's at probably his athletic prime right now, so that doesn't really translate well, but maybe he has a future as a third-down receiving back. Next, I have Dwayne McBride. Dwayne McBride has plus vision, good contact balance, and good power, but he's really lacking in the receiving department. He's got good instincts, but he's not able to make guys miss in the backfield. And again, if the blocking has to be perfect for you, that can be a problem. Uh, He doesn't have top-end speed either, and he's likely a two-down back due to the lack of receiving skills, and there was really nothing to note for him as far as uh, pass pro. So that's why I have him ranked so low. Despite hitting the two prerequisites, he's really not an athlete at all. I'm definitely going to screw this next one up. Xavier and Valade, uh, maybe I got it. Uh, so Xavier and Valade, he is really lacking in the contact balance department, but he does have good speed. So he's a fast, explosive, straight line runner, but he has a tall, lean frame, runs upright, and that really doesn't lend itself to any power or ability to move the pile or really pass protect either. He lacks experience and refinement as a receiver, but he does have the potential to do it. So there's a baseline skill set there to be a receiving back, but I don't know. There's so much lacking there that really worries me with him. Next, I have Cameron Peoples. Good vision, good contact balance, but not elusive at all, and he does have some decent power. He's a long strider who can gain ground quickly because of those long strides when he has momentum but he has to pick up that momentum. He's a guy that's going to need the carries to really see the best out of him. Uh, He has a frame to pass protect, but not the reps, and he's another guy who runs tall and upright. Those guys worry me. It's not very common that guys that run tall and upright end up being the greatest backs. Low man wins. Again, leverage is key as a running back, so... Some guys can get away with it, but you're going to derive a lot of your power from getting under a guy rather than running straight at them. And the last guy on my list here is Tion Evans. Tion Evans, he has decent contact balance, and he's got decent power. He's a good accelerator through the hole, lacks breakaway speed. He's a physical change of pace back, though. He does have an injury history, and he lacks some passing game production. And I should say as well that Cameron Peoples has an injury history as well. But that's going to wrap up my running back rankings. I'm sure I surprised some people with where some guys slotted for me. But again, like I said at the beginning, vision and contact balance are number one for me. And after that, everything else falls into place. But, you know, I did ding some other guys who had good vision and contact balance but were really lacking in departments that would lead them to be lead backs in the NFL. We're trying to project these guys to the NFL and what their role might be and who can have the most fantasy production for us. So that's what I tried to do in these rankings. I could be totally wrong on all of these, but I've had some decent success with this kind of methodology in the past. So... We'll see how it works out. A lot of it depends, and a lot of it depends on this for every position, but where the guys go, what the situation is as far as opportunity, and what the offense around them is like. So, you know, a running back can a lot of times be a product of the offensive line for them. Uh, You know, especially for the guys who I mentioned who have lacking ability to make guys miss in the backfield, those guys are going to really rely on having a good offensive line to block things up at the first level and then allow them to get to the second level and use their contact balance and strength to power through guys. But anyway, those are my ranking. All right, so that's going to do it for today. Thanks for tuning into my breakdown of the Aaron Rodgers trade and my pre-draft running back rankings. If you liked what I had to say, disagreed with what I had to say, 
or if you want to share your own rankings for running backs and tell me where I was wrong, hit me up on Twitter at YakFantasyPod. Next week, I may be going to do my wide receiver rankings for rookies, which I've started, but I also might focus more on the immediate results of the draft because, as I mentioned, everybody probably knows, but it's starting this Thursday. I record on Mondays and release episodes on Tuesdays, so the draft's going to be over by the time that I record the next time. So I might break up those rankings into a couple episodes so I can focus on both those and what's happened in the immediate aftermath of the NFL draft and talk about all of that. So, you know, be prepared for the wide receiver rankings, especially because there's so many wide receivers in every NFL draft class because so many teams need so many of them. Pretty much every team is running with at least three receivers at any given time, probably 75% of the time at the very least. So wide receivers are numerous and their skill sets and differences are wide ranging. Uh, But I'll break those down as we go here. And situation matters probably more so for those guys because you do have so many on the field at the same time. Anyway, if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks again, and I'll catch you next week.